Well, hey, thanks for taking the time to tune into this. I'm calling this introductions. And uh, honestly, this is my way of introducing to my church family people who are my friends and some people who have had just a, a, an a important influence in my life. Um, I, I, I want to introduce you today to honestly one of my favorite people. I don't know anybody maybe who makes me laugh more than this guy and, uh, and inspires me um, as much. Some of you would know Pastor Greg Ford from the time that he spent as our youth pastor at Calvary Church. I think it was from about 2006 to 2010. Um, led our students so well. Um, I'll let him tell more of that story, but then after he left Calvary, went and, and planted one of the leading churches in our nation, and so cool to see how God is, is using him. He is uh, probably the most naturally gifted leader that I know, and uh, one of the most inspirational people, and, uh, and my personal uh, fitness coach as well. Uh, not really, but, but probably wouldn't hurt if he was. So Pastor Greg Ford, man, thanks for, thanks for jumping in and, and joining me on this today. Hey, man, this is a, a huge honor. And uh, those are like really kind words. And it means especially uh, a lot coming from you. I respect and love you so much. And our, Shayla and I, our time at Calvary was some of our fondest memories, you know, just the love that we received from the church. It was, it was healing. It was, um, it was a time of like development formation for us. And uh, we just have such a, a warm place in our hearts for you and the staff and the church. And uh, those were just some really great years and thank, thankful for that opportunity. And thanks for, you know, when we left being in our lives still and continuing to be a, a source of inspiration, encouragement, wisdom. Um, you've, helped me on so many levels and uh i'll say this since you said some nice things about me i want to say some nice things about you you no joke no joke true story chad gilligan is the best father husband pastor i've ever seen i've ever met i've ever been around i'm not trying to speak negatively of my friends or other people because i've got you know there's some great ones but you are you take the cake i mean just the way that you love your wife the way that you love your kids, the joy that you take in them, the intentionality, the prioritization around your family um, is really cool. And I, I see, you know, you're reaping that now. I, I see that in your life, but that, that made a huge, massive impact on me. Decisions I make now around what, how to lead my family um, in, in a way that just profoundly impacted me. So uh, you're the real deal, man. Thanks for letting me hang. Praise God. Thanks, Greg. I, I, I look back uh, fondly. In fact, I was telling a few folks that we were doing this today and we immediately started telling Greg Ford stories from, uh, from, from your time at Calvary. So those were, those were such, such good years. So, Hey man, do, do this for us. If you, if you had to tell your, cause a lot of folks at Calvary already know and love you. And then there's <laughs> a group of folks that are new in the, in, in recent years that wouldn't have had that same interaction. Um, if you had to tell your life story in three minutes, what would it sound like? Yeah, so, um, you know, grew up in a, in a pastor's home. And, uh, you know, that, that can be an interesting journey because you're kind of trying to figure out God and what you believe and what you've been told to believe. And so, yeah, I have my ups and downs with that. You know, like pastor's kids are usually uh, either are like the they're either going to ministry and are, you know, really pure like uh, like like Clayton. Uh, or, you know, convicted felons like Evan, you know, so it's, it's usually one, one or the other. And, and uh, you know, I fell somewhere in the middle, you know, my, my parents were 
good folks. But I did some exploring, trying to figure it out. And I um, uh, ended up having this defining moment after my freshman year of college where I was kind of running, doing my thing, got a little bit in that party lifestyle, trying to just figure myself out, figure God out. Had a defining moment where I just felt God tapping me on the shoulder saying, you know, choose you this day. What are you going to do? And uh, in that moment, I just started to pursue God and haven't looked back. You know, I've fallen down. I've not batted a thousand by any means, but um, took that direction. And, you know, that ended up in ministry. And um, so before Calvary, I worked in, in Worcester, Ohio, and then went to Calvary and then now here to Columbus. So uh, that's kind of the short version. And man, I, I don't know. I don't know what people are familiar with, but uh, one church in Columbus is uh, is a church that is um, not just doing things well and reaching their community, but doing groundbreaking stuff and 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 changing the way I think a lot of people look at church. Man, tell us a little bit about about one church. Just I know what some people might know is, oh, yeah, this, this is the guy that used to be the youth pastor at Calvary. And then I think he left to do something else. Well, man, tell him tell him what happened. Yeah, so, you know, we left Calvary, we we moved to Columbus and, um, you know, took a little bit of an old school approach to church planning. So I took a job. Um, actually, I worked I worked uh, three jobs and, and Shaylin worked two. So I worked the front desk at a fitness club. I worked at a golf course and I worked for the church um, and just started meeting people there. So, you know, it was partially to pay the bills and, and even even more so to meet folks. And because of that, um, you know, I, I was the front desk man. So I would, people would come in every day, you know, Chad Gilligan, I would scan your card, your picture, come up, I ask you out. Okay. Next time you come in, Hey, Chad, good to meet you. Cause I would do drills. Ask you out, Chad Gilligan, Chad Gilligan, Chad Gilligan, Chad Gilligan, Be, because I want to, I want to learn your name, by the way, learn that from you, learn that from you. Uh, you are the best name. Like, you know, everyone's name. Um, you're just amazing at name recall. And, and what I saw in you when you did that was you put major value on people and they felt valued because it's pretty dishonoring to go, oh, you know, what's his name? What's his name? You know, when it's like, hey, Sherry, hey, Joe. In fact, I remember a, a, a Lance Fuller told me that, that the first thing that he noticed about you, you met him one day, four months later, he saw you hadn't seen you. And he said, hey, Lance. And he said, and when he told me that it stuck with me. So that was one of my things I learned from you that I applied right away. I want to learn as many names. And I literally learned hundreds of names and I had the advantage of their, their picture was on a computer and their face. And so I would, I worked my tail off to learn those names. So did that for over a year. And then, you know, as you learn names, you become friends and people start to ask about me, you know, what are you doing here? And, you know, they'd never had a front desk guy care what their name was. So when I said, Hey, we're going to start it, you know, I'm actually starting it church um they were like oh really you know some people we had people completely uh not church people not saved just come to help me you know this poor guy you know was getting up because I was the early shift I get up at four actually 3 45 every morning I had to be there by 4 30 so I could open the door at five so I did that for over a year so these people were rolling in at 5 a.m every day I got all their names hundreds of people there's 8,000 members at the gym so wow. but your 5 a.m people it's the same people you, you, you no, nobody wakes up at 4 30 just go, you know I don't want to go work out you, you know it's like you, you you're a creature of habit to do that so we built relationships and once they found out I was planting a church a lot of them just jumped in to be nice and to help and they got saved I mean a lot of them came in with like 
weeping. I mean, the first six months of our church, people just cried because they're really hearing the gospel presented clearly in a, in a way they could understand. And um, so that's kind of how we, we started it. And then, you know, it's just been this journey of um, God opening door after door. So, you know, fast forward now, we've been a church for nine years. Um, we have been able to adopt two churches <clears throat> that were going to die. So we were able to get two buildings. We have over 100,000 square feet of wow. um, property, over $11 million of, 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 of assets that we got for let, for 50% equity because they were just churches that were going to end up being, um, they, they were going to lose them. They, they were going to end up being um, apartment complexes or shopping centers. And, and, and they you know, strategic that, locations, right, Greg? I mean, oh, yeah incredible like we we went when we bought our first building and you helped help me through that whole process um we went from being on a back road at a charter school that literally didn't even show up on the heat map in terms of traffic to being on one of the busiest roads uh in our whole city our whole area um in a seventy-six thousand square foot building that wow. they were going to lose so and and good people had had you know paid on for decades but they were going to lose it and so we were able to come in and, and 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 take that and it just was explosive for the church and then our second location we planted a second campus on the northwest side of town and um we're in a movie theater setting it setting up tearing down for a while and just trying to find a building and uh, we, we looked at 60 different locations and the 61st location was uh, that church that was about to about this shut down and they said hey you know let's let's do this so it was just it been two really happy stories and so the church has grown exponentially people um so many people coming to christ and it just you know that part of it people coming to jesus people experiencing the gospel um people seeing the gospel not only in a moment transform their their hope and their hearts but to see it now play out in their lives that part never gets old it yeah. never gets old yeah Okay, so let me ask you this. Here's a couple things I know. Uh, here's here's a couple things anybody could know. You you spend 20 minutes on one church's website, you'll know a couple of things. You'll know that Greg Ford is is a visionary beast, right? You you have always been able to kind of see things and go, man, let's let's go there. I I don't think any staff person I've ever worked with, you know, in any position I've been in, has ever been able to manipulate. No, that's not the word. Convince. Me, you know, <laughs> Hey, let's let's go there. Let's do this, you know. And and so there's that. I also know you are one of the most diligent and yet consistently inspirational, impactful communicators I know. Here's what people wouldn't know by looking at your website is just the amount of grit and hard work that's in you. Like you you didn't go down there, you know, and go, all right, let's let's start a church. Like I'm glad you told the the gym story because. That was every day at 345. Like that was, you know, that kind of thing. Talk about that for a minute, because I think that gets lost sometimes, both in ministry and other places. People love vision and they love being able to communicate. But talk about the grit. Talk about the hard work, because, because Greg, that's always been something that separated you from other people. Man, wow. Thank you. Um, great question. You know, I, I, I think it's a combination of nature and nurture. You know, so I, I think, you know, to look at your family, um, who I know them all very well. I mean, your your kids are are all very smart kids, but they're all, you know, they all had something tangible around. Um, I remember Clayton just as a little guy, he was 
he would work hard. I remember playing basketball with him, you know, and he was 90 pounds or whatever, but he's out there throwing his body around. So some of that I think you're born with, but then some of that comes from the environment that you grew up in. And so, you know, that's, that, that's kind of the stock. I think I come from my dad, my grandpa, you know, my grandfather w uh, owned you know, a farm. He was a farmer in, in Missouri and he worked on the railroad. And my dad is the oldest boy in a family of nine kids. So he worked in an all night truck stop when he was um, like 11 years old to make m lunch money for his brothers and sisters. And then he worked on the farm and then he went to school. So that's just all he knows. My dad, uh, when I was growing up, the biggest insult he could give a person was to call them lazy. Huh. Uh, if he said, you know, you know, Joe, Joe's just lazy. You know, I mean, that was like, that, that was, that was like a cuss word, you know? So um, I, I, that, that was kind of part, that's always been part of my life. And, and then I, but I honestly think it comes, it comes from character, but I think it comes from vision. If you can, you know, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. You, you can almost envision the conversation between the father and son. If, if God, the father comes to Jesus and says, you know, I'd like you to go to the cross. Like, for what? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. well, the redemption of mankind, you know, the, to solve the sin problem, to create forgiveness, the gospel, the good news. Okay, I'll go to the cross. You know, I'm willing to endure the cross for the joy set before. And I think it's, it's when you have a clear vision of what you sense God calling you to do and you can see it done. I mean, that's what a vision is. You see it done. I see what this is going to look like when it's done. And to have that, I think, causes you to then probably be willing to pay a, a, a steeper price, you know, willing to do whatever it takes to do that. Um, and it's not romantic and it's not glamorous in any way. Um, so I, I'm thankful, you know, for the, the family I grew up in. And that, I think that was a big part of it. But also, you know, there have been plenty of things I didn't really apply myself to because I couldn't really see why would I be doing that? I think when you have a strong why uh, and you sense that this is a God thing, then, you know, then you just go for it. T tell us about your family, your, your yeah. wife and kids. Yeah, so um, three kids. So my wife, Shayla, and I um, have three kids. Ella, who's 11. Uh, wants to be the president of the United States, and that she's she's serious about it. She she has studied, um, she studied uh, w what presidents, what route you take to get the president. So she wants to. She's like that. I think I'm gonna study law. Uh, most of our presidents have uh, been in law, so she's Look, decided she's, she wants to do. Send me the absentee ballot. I'm voting now. I'm telling you, she she. You know what's crazy? It's funny. So she ran for. Um, you know, she, she's in uh, fifth grade. So they, they had something, you know, student class president or something. And so she, she ran for it and she lost. And uh, she was super bummed. It was close. It was like two votes. She lost by like two votes. And she's, she's destroyed, you know, she comes home, you know, and, and uh, she's like, <clears throat> she's like, dad, you know, my, my opponent, Shady. She said, you know, she, she's over-promising, under-delivered. She promised stuff that she's never going to be able to deliver. And I, okay, so I'm sitting there and I said, I said, Ella, listen, I am so glad you lost your first election. She's like, what? I said, this is great. I said, now, no matter where you go or what you do, however high God takes you, where, whatever it looks like, you're going to always be able to say, I lost my first election. 
I love, I said that she's like, you know, I never thought of it like that. She's like, <laughs> but she, so anyway, she's, she's like, you know, she's an awesome kid, man. Just hard worker, you know, uh, loves people. Uh, our two boys. So both of our sons are on the autism spectrum. So eight and five, the eight-year-old is Hudson, five-year-old Miles. They're both, you know, the spectrum, they don't give you, a, it's not like one to 10. Uh, yeah. You know, it's more of kind of a term that they use. Uh, our, my boys are probably somewhere in the middle, um, you know, kind of verbal, but, but uh, you know, a lot of repeating things. And, um, but, you know, it's been, it's been a great journey. It's been hard at certain points. Uh, emotionally uh it's challenging in a in a in a quarantine i can tell you uh but it's uh it's been a rich journey and to to summarize what the lord has taught me in the journey is god keeps taking me that scripture in ephesians 3:20 to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we would ask or think and um when i really understood the context of ephesians paul is trying to explain to Jews and Gentiles that the gospel now has brought them together and, and none of them really want to do that. They, they weren't interested terribly in a multicultural, um, you know, multi-ethnic, we're going to come together. The Jews were really hoping that they would now be at the top of the food chain, the, 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 the new Rome, the new world power. And Jesus did the opposite. The gospel did the opposite. Instead of taking you and elevating you above other nations on this earth. I'm actually going to create one, one people. And so Paul is trying to sell this, you know, the Ephesians, they don't want to buy it. That's not what I, that's not really what we want. He's trying to get the two to work. And then that's where he says in wedges that scripture to him, who's able to do exceeding abundantly above what you would ask. You wouldn't ask for that or think of it. it wasn't what you thought about. And we tend to take that and go, we try to, we do the, we do the exact opposite of what the verse says. We think of something big and then ask for it and call that exceeding abundantly above. It's not. Sometimes it's like you didn't even think about that. You weren't even looking for that. It wasn't what you asked for. It wasn't what you wanted. And that's what God's been taking me to with my son. I wasn't the guy who went to school and studied um, special ed. Um, I, I didn't even really think of that my sons would be autistic. That wasn't it wasn't something I really thought about certainly wasn't would have never been something I asked for. But the question is, do I believe it's exceeding abundantly above and I'm seeing God use it to shape my character to, um, to help other people. And, you know, he's doing a special work through our, through my boys, you know, so it's been, it's been quite a journey. I could go on a long time about that, but that's kind of the broad strokes of my family. Yeah, no, thank you. All right, you, uh, it's, you, you, can, you can design the perfect day. Like, it's your day. Nobody else has any voice into what happens. It's the perfect day. What would it look like? It would start with bacon and eggs. Come on. Right around 7 a.m., about 7, 7.30, some bacon and eggs, a nice cup of coffee. Um, take the morning, hang with my wife. I realized a few years ago, um, I learned about the difference between extroverts and introverts. Mm. So we tend to think of an extrovert is a verbal person or a social person. And an extrovert is a, or I'm sorry, an introvert is just quiet. But actually, introversion, extroversion describes how you restore your energy. 
So an extrovert might be, they might be a quiet person, but they love to be around people. When they're around people, their energy goes up. Um, or you might have a very socially skilled person that is funny and out there, but they restore in solitude. And I'm an extrovert. I like to be around people, but my life is that when I'm around people a lot, there's so much coming out of me that uh, sometimes I need to get away, but I don't really recharge in solitude. I just get relief. It's like, okay, nobody asked me for anything, but I don't actually restore. It's in, it's in life-giving relationships like people like you and, and, and so a few friends I have that don't want anything from me. It's just being together. So the, the, the top of that list though is my wife. Like I just with Shaylin, I can totally be myself. So I would start with bacon and eggs. I would hang out with Shaylin sometime, probably around 10. I would go exercise, go work out, get, get the endorphins going, get my sweat going, um, be home by 1130, shower up, go out for lunch, North Star, get, uh, get, get, get a little salad action, and then just go do something active with my family, you know, and I wouldn't even care. I actually kind of like shopping, oddly enough, walk around the mall you know, do something fun. Probably the most fun thing our family does is uh, water parks. My boys love slides and then, you know, water slides. So if it was a summer day, go out, do a water slide, you know, whatever, get nice and tired, get a dinner, come home, put the kids to bed, stare into my wife's eyes. Come on. Wade, watch a good movie. Go to sleep. You got that figured out, man. That's it. It's you, How you about could, you, you, man? Break, wanna, what's your day? What, what would be your best day? I, I'm seeing a book, Greg Ford, The Perfect Day, your 10-step your plan to renewal and revival. Dude, your face big on the cover. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. So <laughs> my day wouldn't look that much different. I think, you know, that introvert-extrovert thing is an interesting thing to talk about because I love to be around people, um, but there are times when you need that, you know, that that release. So. I think broad strokes, I'd love a morning to myself, an afternoon with Rhonda, and an evening with with my kids. You know, that that would be the perfect day. Like the morning I could, you know, spend some time with the Lord and read and uh, and put off exercising and then do something in the afternoon with Rhonda and uh, and then have some fun, you know, and, and it's it's cool because we're in that really fun season. You know, you said a lot of kind words, but you know, our, our our, our kids were blessed with a mom that really knew how to shepherd them well. And um, we're in a really fun season now that when we get together, um, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun and you know, they, they get to all poke fun at dad and it's, it's a good time. So yeah, it's really good. Hey, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like we, what we've started doing in this is like a little show and tell you, you got anything that you can show us real quick that maybe just kind of, you say, Hey, that's a part of my life right here. Yeah, so, you know, you can't tell where I'm at right now. Your, your uh, viewers probably think I'm in prison right now. I'm sitting at the center, but they're like, well, he's, yeah. he's interviewing an inmate. There's a ransom notice um, that comes up here pretty soon, and you hold up a newspaper yeah. for proof of life. All right, so I'm in my basement. All right, so this my basement right now is uh, kind of serving three functions. So it's my it's my fitness space, workout boxing here do a little right there got the trx band okay it's also my office 
my office space. There it is. And if I and if I don't act right, it's it's my bedroom. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, man. This is the setup. So you, make, you mentioned your office. I mean, we we're recording this in the midst of kind of the coronavirus pandemic. We, we're you know we're in April. It is stay at home orders and everything that comes with that. I'd be curious, Greg, you're, you're, you're leading your family, you're leading the church, you're leading yourself. What are, what are you learning in this season? You know, cause this is not like, I, I don't even think, you know, if we'd have told you back in January where we would be two months later, I don't, I don't know that any of us would have really been able to have comprehended it. So like, I don't know, is there anything you go, Hey, this is, this is what I'm learning in this season. Yeah. Um, so I got two, two uh, different places my head goes, and I can do either whichever one you want or both. Um, there's okay, the give I'll us say the first one. Give us the first one. If it's not that good, we'll ask for the second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So from a discipleship standpoint, so as like a follower of Jesus standpoint, um, what I've been valuing in this season more than ever is the presence of God. Huh. And, okay, so uh, not to get too preachy, but there's a difference between knowing something and actually really learning it. And you know that because you'll hear people say from time to time, I finally learned my lesson. I finally learned, you know, I, they told me when I started dating, don't date cheaters. But, uh, you know, after the third time uh, I got cheated on, uh, by the third different person that I thought was the exception to the rule, uh, I finally learned my lesson. Um, so I, I think like there's some things that we know. It's like I knew it the whole time. I'm just now really learning it. And I think right now I'm really, really learning about the presence of God. I, I, I did a study uh, recently. I was just, I've been looking really at the new covenant, right? So you got the Old Testament, Old Covenant, New Testament, New Covenant. A lot of the you know, what we know in broad strokes about the covenants so of the old covenant is now obsolete because of now the gospel and Jesus. And when he came, he fulfilled the, you know, it's been fulfilled through Jesus. So when you look at a lot of the old covenant, it's not that it's um, bad stuff. It's just, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Okay. That was the specific vassal suzerain covenant that was aimed at a group of people at a certain time to accomplish something. All of it can, comes ultimately through Jesus. Now Jesus is the promise. So we talk about, we sing songs about, I have a promise and the promise. Jesus is the promise. Like it's all in Jesus. You know, the, all of God's promises are yes and amen, right? You back that up. Yep, yep. He says, it's all been fulfilled in Christ. So any promise that I try to find in the new covenant outside of Jesus does not exist. It all exists in Jesus. And so, you know, you think about like Paul talking about the thorn in the flesh, which this whole thing kind of feels like it's like this thorn, like eh, take it away. It's uncomfortable. I don't want it to be here. And yet when Paul asks for this thing to be taken away, the message that comes back is, no, nah, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Instead of extracting a thorn, I want to insert my presence. And when you think about like the ultimate promise or the ultimate blessing, isn't some external thing that God could give me more money, more health, more freedom, more opportunity. It's his presence. 
And, and to circle really the conversation back to even, again, I'll come back to you and your family. Like I you know, talked about you as a father, you know, we know we're finite. At some point you, you're, you're going to be gone. Right. And I know like part of your story, you lost your father, your inheritance, your financial inheritance has no value compared to the presence. What you miss of your father, who's a great man, is the presence of your father. Absolutely. Yeah. His, his inheritance doesn't mean Jack. When, 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 you, when you die and you leave money to your kids, it will be a really telling thing if they spent time fighting over your money. Fr frankly, that, that's a really dysfunctional sign that we are fighting over the money instead of mourning the presence hmm. that was lost. Wow. So, so we tend to approach God like an old covenant, which was prosperity of the land, military victory and protection. We want all this stuff. And yet what they didn't have in the old covenant was the presence of God, except in the temple, right? You had to go through the, only the priest could go in there. The word of God came through a prophet. It was all through a middleman. The veil's been torn because of the cross, and now we have access. And so it's the presence of God, which is the promise, and it is the blessing. And we, and we catch a glimpse of it in the, most, in the healthiest relationships. When they're lost, you hear things like this. I would give every dollar I had to have one more minute. Yeah. I would give everything I have to get one more day with her because of the relationship. And I just, I've known I can have a relationship with God like that, but I'm really, really learning it right now. And I've been really setting time aside to go, God, I want your presence. I don't know where this whole thing's going. I don't know what the new normal is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen to the businesses. I don't know if we're in, on the verge of a recession. I don't know what this means for church long term. I don't know. I just know this. I'm not going to ask God to just give me something. I want his presence. I, I want to just, whatever this journey looks like, win, lose, or draw, I want, I want his presence every step of the way. So on a discipleship, and that, that's what God's been really speaking to me in, in this whole season. Man, the first one got me stirred up. I'm excited to hear the second. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so the second one from a leadership standpoint, okay, so from a, a leadership standpoint is I've been learning to, to kind of, you know, through volatile seasons to consistently define reality for myself and for our team and be able to, in, in times that are uncertain, create some stability and, and some certainty and clarity when things aren't, aren't certain. So, you know, in a normal season of time, you might uh, be able to cast a vision at the beginning of the year and kind of keep it in front of people. And we all set goals and all of that. When you're in something that is super volatile, that's changing a lot, I think the role of the leader uh, now is given another component, which is to define reality for our team and to be decisive. And, and part of that is defining reality for myself. What's the best use of my time and energy right now? What do I need to be doing right now? How do I aim myself? And then how do I define reality for our team so that they know everything from which goals that we had before now don't matter anymore? Have our priorities shifted? Um, have our resources changed? Hey, we, sorry, budget now doesn't work like that anymore. We're going to be redistributing. So I think doing that and then trying to, trying to be decisive as much as possible because in a time where everybody's already feeling a little unstable, 
when a leader's indecisive, people are kind of like sitting on their hands. You know, I'd almost rather be a little conservative but decisive so then the team can get cranking downhill. So like one of the things we did was almost immediately when all this stuff started getting crazy, we just decided we're doing Easter online. Because as much as I was like, oh, I had like a visceral reaction. I'm like, oh, Easter online just, it doesn't even feel, that feels un-American. It, 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 feels, it feels like I'm about to answer for that at the pearly gates. Like, you know, am I lacking faith? You know, just felt wrong. And, and it was like, but it was like, you know what? No, I, I, instead of me every week going, well, guys, we're not sure, you know, let's just decide now. And so our team can crank on it. They can go, okay, cool. Easter online, we're going to do it. And now we can decide how do we make that the very best we can reorient our money, reorient our energy to do that. So learning how to operate in really, really, you know, un uncertain times. I feel like I'm learning a lot about that. And I think that that's not just, you know, it'd be easy for somebody watching this to go, ah, I don't, I don't pastor a church in Columbus, so that doesn't apply to me. But I mean, there's, there's certainty about that, no matter who you are, where you're at in times like this, like, like having an understanding, I think those two things, they, they complement each other in the sense that when I have that, that time in God's presence that gives me a confidence to know, as well as that the Holy Spirit's leading me, it then allows me to be decisive or be clear or take bold steps. Um, and that's as much as being able to speak a blessing into the life of your family as it is deciding, you know, what your Easter service is going to look like. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's really important. So, yeah, man. well, uh, hey, what about you? I want to. What are you learning right now? Um, I'm I'm learning. I need to have these conversations with you more often because I learn a lot. So that's uh, that's good. Um, you know, I, I'll I'll tell you the lesson of 2020 for me. This is this has not just been the pandemic, but um, that that I'm 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 having to learn more and more to rely on God. And I know that sounds overly simple. Um, but to be in a place to recognize that in, in every moment, um, there's a reason why Jesus uses the term, he's the, he's the advocate. He's the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside of us. And it's been interesting to watch how just kind of step by step, God has been helping me to see how much I need him to um, not come alongside of me to, to accomplish my purpose but that in those moments when I'm at a place to go, God, I just need to do your purpose. He's the one who says, I know, <laughs> and, and I've got the strength that you need. The, the, the thing I felt like the Lord gave me in the last six months for me personally has been, you'll have the anointing you need for the season you're in mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and trusting him in that, I, you know, without going into, you know, all the, all the scenarios, but that, that has been this year too, because you, you can be quick to go, man, I don't know how to handle a pandemic. I've never been here before, or I don't know what to do in this season. Or um, even in those times where you go, I don't think I'm ready for this or, or, or strong enough for that. And the Lord says, I'll give you the anointing you need for the season you're in. Like, because if, it, if, if you think you do have it, then it's pretty sure you don't, you know? And so that's, that's, that's been the stretch, um, you know, in my life in this recent season and, and watching how all that, um, you know, unfolds, but, but it's, it, it's good. And I'm, I'm also learning that oftentimes if I'll, if I'll align my heart in those ways, his anointing is so much better than my strength. 
and I think that just comes right back to your presence, you know, observation. So, yeah. What you said reminds me of, you know, that scripture in second Peter one, where he says, um, you've been, you've been given everything you need for life yeah. and godliness, yeah. right? That, that you have, you know, we, we do tend, even in a non quarantine shutdown pandemic season, we, we do tend to have this voice in the back of our heads going, Oh, you don't have enough. If you had a little more of this, you don't have enough experience. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough talent. You don't have, you know, and then when you put something like this in it, even more so makes us feel like we're not equipped with what we, what we have, but when we really say out loud what we believe or what we say we believe about the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. It makes that second Peter one verse make a lot of sense. You have everything you need for life and godliness, you know, and, and to, to go in times like this, that we've got to walk in that, you know, like believe that walking in the spirit going, no, I do. I, I have everything I need. I mean, I, I may not have all the answers. I may not, you know, I, I don't, I can't predict the future all the time, but I have what I need for, for, for the life that God's put in front of me and, and to live a godly life. Um, it's, it's in us. I, I, I think we, we forget that because I think I, I have a tendency to misdefine the term blessing. And I, I look at blessing as, um, as excess, you know, that, if, that, that, that I've got, I've got more than enough. When actually, if you, if you dig down on that Old Testament concept of blessing, it's God's going to give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. Like he'll, he'll, he'll provide for you, you know? And I think sometimes we, we look at things and, and when it goes our way, when things are right, we go, Oh, God's so faithful. I remember it was, it was, uh, it, it was something inconsequential that could have gone one way or the other. And it went the way that this person wanted. I remember in, in all caps on Facebook, book, they put God is so faithful. And I thought to myself, if it had gone the other way, would God have stopped being faithful? <laughs> like, like he, he's always faithful and he's always blessing. And for me to restrict that to, I know I was blessed because I got what I wanted. That's, that's not God. He's going to, he's going to give me what I need. And in fact, to, to your point from first Peter, he already has, I have it. I just have to tap into that. And um, man, Greg, we keep going. We're going to take an offering. This is, this is uh, I was going to say, I, honestly, let's keep rolling because my thought on that was, okay, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, okay, so we go to the Lord's Prayer, he taught them how to, here's how I want you to pray, give us this day our daily bread, right, not give me this year my yearly bread or give me this decade my decadely bread, it was give me this day my daily bread, give me or provide what I need I and mean, you, you're 100% right, I've fallen into that, we tend to think of blessing as as excess you walk into somebody who has excess and you go oh man they're really blessed well i mean yeah but having what i need mm -hmm. is blessing god yeah. providing what i need you know and sometimes it's the energy i need to, to power through something or it's the the advice that i needed or um the inspiration i needed or the resource that i needed but sometimes it, it's not necessarily everything spilling over tons left over it might be what I need right now to get through this here and now. And that's, that's no less of a blessing than the other. That's, that's good stuff. Well, and, and you know, the whole new Testament or old Testament in particular, but all the way through the whole, the whole point of scripture is God, I rely on you or not, not, not the point, but there's this common thread. And I suppose that's salvation, yeah. right? I got to rely on you. And I, I, I want to say, God, I'm, 
I'm, I'm glad you helped me so that I don't have to daily rely on you. <laughs> but there is an element of a relationship with him that is give me my daily bread. Like, like help me on a daily basis, Lord, to rely on you. There's something, there's something strong there. That's probably a real lesson in a pandemic because even for those that, you know, aren't maybe in a place of financial stress right now, there is this element of we do not know what is ahead. And that's probably as much as anything, what's stressing people out in this season of time. Mm -hmm. It's it's the uncertainty of where we're at and daily news conferences and constant curves and, you know, all those things. um, We just don't know. And we're not, we're not built to be people who don't know. So, yeah. man. Okay. What are we titling that book? <laughs> I don't I'm know, okay. man. I'm okay with, you know, you know. Me write it, you get the royalties? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like, it's, you get the title. <laughs> it's Greg <laughs> Ford and Chad Gilligan. I don't need top billing. I mean, my name will be bigger on the cover, but your name can come first. Like, I'm cool with that. all right hey man i want to let you go two other quick things one what's a hidden talent what's what's your hidden talent people wouldn't know bro i i i don't really i don't have any i i I can sing really good in auto-tune what about beatboxing people don't know about that yeah i can do that i i can be I, i can beatbox and hum simultaneously this is one of the, there's like seven wonders of the ancient world. This is number eight right here. Are you ready? I got one for you. I'm going to beatbox and hum it. You do the, you do the uh, motion. That's something. That's you're you're wired different. So circular breathing, circular it, breathing, and I'm making sound with my ears. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, one last thing, man. Hey, thanks for taking this time. If somebody wants to check out, um, you know, a little bit more, and I would encourage you if you're looking for a voice of encouragement, uh, a place where you can get a, a a strong message from God's word, um, this is a church to check out. Where where would they go to kind of learn a little bit more about one church? catch up on some of the messages yeah so i mean website is one dot church um so they sell the domain dot church now so not dot com dot org one dot church and then social media um facebook um instagram twitter youtube uh you know you can we put everything on there so but don't be surprised when you start listening you're like didn't pastor chad say that i i feel like i feel like I've heard that sermon before. I, I feel like I've heard that insight before. It might sound very familiar if it's a Calvary person. So look, um, you know, a lot of people who, I mean, I, I would just, I think I'm not speaking out of turn when I say, you know, uh, Pastor Matt Ford, uh, who's, who's a different Ford, not related, but um, Pastor Jay Heiss, both a part of your youth ministry, who are, you know, living examples of your influence. So many of us who have been encouraged by you over the years. I'm so thankful for our continued friendship. Um, you know, you keep spending time in God's presence because he, he has his hand on your life and is doing a lot of unique things from, from those of us at Calvary, dude, we are proud of you and uh, so excited to see what God's doing. Thanks for taking the time to do this. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We'll, we'll have to do it again.
have to do it again. Let's do it again, man. I love you guys. Awesome. Love you too, Greg. Thanks so much.